Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain and logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Alessandro Chiaramitara, who is President of Delis, and Michael Romeri, who is CEO and Analytics to Go. And today we're going to talk about pricing optimization at Delis, a case study in successful AI enablement. So companies across virtually all industries are looking for ways to drive profitable growth. They're also looking for ways to leverage artificial intelligence technology to improve their operations and achieve you know, business benefits, but to do so without you know, having to rip out and replace their existing systems and processes, which you know, will be very expensive and, and time-consuming and, and obviously disruptive as, as well. So in today's episode, we're going to highlight how Delis, the largest food distributor in Brazil, AI enabled its pricing optimization process to achieve significant business benefits without having to change its existing workflows and IT systems. So to share some of the details, I'm excited to welcome Alessandro and Mike uh, to, to the program. So thank you both for making the time to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So Alessandro, let, let me let me start with you. Um, I'm sure many people are familiar with Delis, but maybe many people are not. So before we dive into this topic, you know, please tell us a little bit about Delis and its operations. Okay, Adrian. So the Delis is the the Brazilian leader food service distribution. So like Cisco in US, Delis in Brazil, uh, we are a company of uh, turnover around one one billion dollars. Uh, our typical customers include uh, restaurants, hotels, caterings, uh, butchers, and so on. Uh, we deliver to 200,000 customers every year with a full portfolio assortment of more than 2000, 2005, uh, 25,000 SKUs. Uh, we have as well a large distribution fleet and also distribution centers around the country. So more than 20 distribution centers and more than 20 cross dockings as well, covering 70%, 70% of the national Brazilian territory, which is a continental country like US as well. So it's a very, very intense and very complex operation. And it's important to understand this aspect of the, the, the food service business. And maybe a, a difference than in US, in, in Brazil, we have more independent independent food service, independent restaurants. So we have only 10% of a big chains of food service, which make, of course, more, more, more complex to, to attend these guys. But on the other hand, you also can get better margins working with them. So in a nutshell, this is uh, what is Dallas. Yeah, well, very impressive. I mean, obviously, you know, very large scale, complex, num a large number of X SKUs. Um, so certainly, uh, 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 you know, a, a leader in, in in the industry there. So now let's get, you know, dive into this whole area of, of AI enablement. So, you know, my, my first question is really, I mean, when you, I mean, there's so much going on right now with AI. I mean, it's one of the hot buzz terms that everyone, you know, is talking about. Um, my first question is why focus on pricing first? I mean, what was the business challenge or opportunity that you wanted to, you know, address? Yes, uh, I, I, I do believe that uh, you always must think in your business, what are, what are the, let's say, really the priorities and what will change the, the landscape and, and, and have a, a big impact in the business. 
And when you talk about distribution, and even more distribution for food service, of uh, of course there is the the pricing aspect is very relevant because we buy we buy food from our suppliers, and we sell this food for uh, uh, a lot of customers. So you have uh, um, a lot of SKUs. We have a lot of customers, and of course you are a, a, a logistic provider of service as well. So. To set up properly the pricing has a big impact in the in the bottom in the bottom line of your our PNL. Uh, there is as well the component of volatility in the food service business because we deal with products like beef, chicken, rice, soya beans that are very exposed are commodities that are very exposed to the price changes in the market. And when you have these changes in, 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 in the cost of these products, if you don't react properly in terms of pricing, you can or lose volume or, competi or competitivity in the marketplace or margins. <clears throat> so uh, it's, it's critical to, to manage price, uh, given uh, this exposition, exposition to, to commodities. I think a second aspect in the, in the pricing for Delis as I mentioned before, we deal with a lot of moms and pops uh, uh, customers. So we are we, we do not have so many large chains that we have fixed contracts that you only change once a year. We can change our pricing every week, depending on the cost of acquisition, especially for commodities categories. So it's a se second aspect of why pricing is very important to, to a distribution business of food service. And the third one, we have two big, two important players in the system. You know, you have the buyers, so the category managers that buy these products and 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 knows all the trends that we see in the industry, and you have as well the salespeople that knows our customers. So uh, to do the pricing, it's a, a combination of these two know-hows that must be uh, put together in order to maximize, let's say, profitability. And not always these two guys are with the same uh, the same interests, no? Uh, because of course, the salespeople, they always will prefer to sell, uh, to sell more competitive products in terms of pricing. And other other hand, sometimes also the category managers uh, want to, 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 to buy better. So uh, the pricing is very important, is very complex, and this generated a lot of data, a huge amount of data. So we have chosen pricing to do AI, to use AI for pricing, because we have a lot of data, we have a, a huge impact in the profitability of the business, we have a complex to be managing between different uh, different players in the company. So we, we, we believe this was, let's say, the, the right start for our journey yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know, um, I know we we've done some research in the past on on, on pricing and price optimization, and I, I've referred to it as kind of one, one of those white spaces in supply chain management um, that a lot of people don't focus on, but it really has, as you alluded to, has a huge impact on the profitability and the bottom line, you know, of uh, of a company, particularly a company where, as you described, there's a lot of um, constant, you know, it's a very dynamic environment when it comes to, you know, pricing. When you talk about all those SKUs, all those customers, um, you know, it's not the type of thing that you know, if you try to manage with a spreadsheet, uh, it can completely, you know, get the, 
uh, it just becomes un, un, unmanageable. And you talked about the, the amount of data. Um, and I assume that there's, you know, they, that data is coming from a variety of sources. Obviously, there's kind of internal data that you might have, but you, you mentioned commodity prices. You have to kind of keep track of that as well. So is, is it just a, is it a combination of both internal and external data that you have to kind of keep a take a look at and kind of aggregate together to kind of do this kind of analysis? Yeah, that's that. That's right, Adrian. It's, it's exact, exactly that. You know, you have you have, for instance, uh, uh, external data that that affect directly your your pricing proposition. Just to give you an example, here in Brazil, we import a lot of salmon from Chile. You know, fresh salmon. It's like ninety eight percent of the salmon consumed in Brazil is from Chile, and you have, for instance, the salmon database that define. What's the trends in terms of future pricing? So this information is critical to you uh, to you use uh, to define the future price for someone. Uh, but you have also a lot of competitors that sell 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 someone as well in Brazil. So you have information that comes from the salespeople. You have information that comes from external data. And the question here: How we put all this together? in a very, let's say, dynamic way. Uh, and for me, AI, it's very much related with dynamic uh, because you can have a static price, but you can have dynamic price. So uh, with all this data available, we have more, we generate uh, per month more than 800 million uh, 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 data points. Uh, so a relation between customer, SQU, uh, pricing position and external data for this SKU, so a lot of data. So this, this let's say, this is is very critical. And just adding another another point that where we see the benefit to use AI for for pricing is that uh, in the past you used to to have one pricing list per state, yeah, because we don't have tools. We didn't have tools to, to let's say to to do pricing in a granularity that we should have. So we have a price for states. It's like, okay, it's like in US, you have a price for California and you have a price for New York. And that's it. Uh, in Brazil, it was, was the same. You had a price for one state in the south of Brazil for the whole state and another for, for, for another state. And of course, as much as you customize the price position for each SQ, for each customer, you maximize, let's say, the, the, the potential of profit or volume or returns for this specific customer. No, it's like the, 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 the let's say, the integral in the, in the colleges that we study, no? Uh, small little big pieces that can together will be maximized. So, so I think this is the, the way that we look these opportunities. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great example there, and I think it, it it highlights again just the the number of variables and, and the complexity you know in, involved in in, in the, this whole pricing area. So, Mike, I want to I want to bring you into the conversation now. So, like I said before, you know, AI is is you know a hot buzzword at the moment, and and, and many companies are looking to leverage AI in in their you know supply chain processes. Um, but what are some of the 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 roadblocks or challenges that that they're facing based on your experience and conversations with them? Sure. Very, very good question. Um, so on the one hand, you would think supply chain would be 
the perfect choice for AI because AI works best where the complexity or the rate of change of data is great. And, and because it's such a, when that data is very dynamic or very complex, it's very hard for humans, or has, as we say, for human intelligence to deal with it in an effective way. So you would think it would be a, a great opportunity for, for AI, and it is. However, um, some of the, there are three, three main challenges, and they're interrelated. Uh, the first one is uh, that the approach to deploying AI up until now has reflected an ERP mentality. And uh, that ERP mentality means that uh, there's going to be a design team who goes away and works on a new process that's an AI-enabled process and then deploys that AI-enabled process. And <clears throat> there's a, a joke in the industry that's you know sort of unkind, which, which goes, there are no ERP heroes. And, and that whole design process is really difficult to execute well. And everybody who's left out of the design process is you know, suspicious of it. And inevitably, when you make compromises, some things that you have go away. So it's very hard for people to uh, adopt uh, things that have been designed by someone else without their specific permission. So it creates a long time and a lot of complexity and a lot of cost right from the beginning. So that's one big problem. We have a uh, solution for that. And I think we'll have a chance to talk about that a little later in the call this morning. Um, the second one is uh, some of the advantage from AI comes from the use of external data. And external data is voluminous, uh, complex, you know, not necessarily uh, dependable. It may not be sent at the right time. It may not be clean when it comes. People can make changes um, uh, in this data. So Alessandro was talking about the Salmon database. Salmon database wasn't created for delis, um, and it's created you know, by industry leaders for their own purposes. It's very useful, but if they want to change uh, this, this, the uh, number of characters in a data set or the information in the data set or not send it on a certain day, those are all complexities that you have to manage. And so there's a data orchestration problem that is really complex, so complex that I sold the company to Accenture in 2016. And so I got to know a lot of the Accenture guys and they had a, a really a good uh, joke about this. They said, well, most data science projects are at least 20% data science. And the punchline of course was that they're 80% data and getting the data right and making the data work is still the longest poll in the tent on almost all of our projects. And we we have uh, probably have a chance to talk about this later, but we have a solution we call Felix that is a data orchestration engine that has the highest amount of automation that we've been able to develop to manage that entire process and, and really reduce the uh, time it takes to orchestrate. Then the last part is related to the first point, which is change is hard for all organizations. And so if you, re, if you um, redefine the process, it means you have to retrain the people. And in Delhi's case, if I recall correctly, Alessandro, you had about 2,000 salespeople at the time we first implemented. That's right. Right. And so we actually, with Alessandro's guidance, decided not to change the interface for any of those salespeople. So we switched from human intelligence-based pricing to um, AI-based pricing over a weekend, and they started getting new prices, but it was in the same format and the same request process. And some of them were aware of it, but we had, as I recall, no complaints and no observations that the process had changed, even though the prices had changed dramatically. Yeah, I mean, I think those things you, you brought up uh, are, uh, you know, it's interesting because, yes, uh, you know, uh, 
data quality, data orchestration, as you talked about, I mean, that that has always been the Achilles heel of just about any supply chain uh, technology implementation. And I think the good news is that, you know, whereas, you know, when I first started in the industry 24 years ago, you know, you had so many different proprietary systems out there and you didn't have things like APIs or some of the more modern technologies that we have today that arguably today, you know, while it's not, you know, plug and play, uh, you, you've got technology in place today that can make that process a little bit, uh, you know, more streamlined and, and and easier to do. And I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head there because, I mean, change management continues to be the number one um, inhibitor uh, to driving value within the organization because, like you said, you know, if you're going to completely disrupt the way people in the organization work or think, um, you're going to come up with you know resistance, or it's just going to take much longer you know, for this new process, this new technology to get uh, used by th those folks in the front lines that are really ultimately going to ones that are going to, you know, deliver the value. So minimizing that disruption um, or that change management requirement, uh, you, you know, I think I, I view as a kind of a key um, requirement to really drive the benefits of AI um, as quickly and, and uh, you know as possible with uh, the least amount of cost you know involved. So so I'll, I'll, I'll bring me back to you. Um, you know as you were looking, you know to uh, you know uh, you know improve the pricing optimization process. I mean, what were some of the key capabilities that you were looking for when you were you know evaluating you know technology solutions, and why did you ultimately you know decide to partner with Analytics to go? No, that, yes, this is a very good question. No, uh, because there there are so many options uh, or, or in the market. You no, know, so many people selling AI and, and and miracle technologies that will solve all your problems. So it's very important that you, as a manager, you no, know, you must you must be very clear why select and who selected the, the technology. For me, the, the, it's very important that the, the technology enables you to solve a, a problem or to capture opportunity. So you must understand what is this problem and what is this opportunity. So it's, it's, it's again, it's about to address the root cause of the problem. So uh, I, I always try to find technologies that, uh, and companies that uh, are keen to understand what is the root cause of the problem before starting the type of technology that you will be using, you no? Know? So when I talk about pricing, I think H. Ego and Mike was very keen to understand well what is what is your problem about pricing. You no, know? so we shared. Okay, I have a problem about volatility. So how I address the volatility in the, with the technology? So I have the, the problem of uh, uh, pricing customization for customer. So how I solve that? I have a problem of how to put together the category manager, the buyer, and the salespeople together. So how I solve that? So for me, it's very, it's very and, and this, this has not changed over the time. I think always, always, it's something that we started doing in the 70s, in the 80s with Demi, you know? What's the root cause? So it, it's still valid. So what's the, the root cause and the the and the opportunity of, of, of that you want to address? So I always start with that, selecting... Uh, a company of technology that are interested on that. Uh, second is about uh, is about the resources that uh, that you need to put in place 
to implement such technologies, no? If, if, it's, if it's a technology that you need to change completely your company, that by the way is doing well, it's not the right, the right, the right technology, no? Because uh, we don't want to stop the company to, to stop to sell to my customers to have a better pricing system. So it's very important this, this plug and play uh, um, systems that you don't disrupt the business, the business that we are doing. Uh, and we have seen so many cases that you know you you stop to to invoice your customer for twenty days because you have implemented something new, and and this is always let's say awful to 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 uh, to anyone that works in the company. And finally, and for me, very important, and this is about more human being. No, no one wants to adopt something new that's not easier or not beneficial for them. So if my buyer or my sales will start to work a new technology that make his work more or more complex or don't get benefits, he will not do it. Do it. Doesn't matter if the president tells, okay, I have now a very good technology that will be very beneficial, but this brings more work to the guy. And the worst, he will never adopt. And, and, and by the way, afterwards, the people say, hey, we have not done the change management properly. So the change management becomes much easier to be done if you implement a technology that makes the life and the work of, of the people in the company easier and better. So everyone will adopt it. This is the history of human being. No, no one is keen to do something that is is more difficult and make the, the job worse. So, and I think the case of 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 uh, of H two go is what exactly in this way. They were very keen. Number one, to understand the root cause. So it's not about technology; it's about uh, uh, business business sense. Number two, they have a, a system in place that allows you to keep doing business. And, uh, and implement that without disruption. And number three, they make the, the, the job of our buyers and uh, salespeople easier and better and better than used to be. So this was the, let's say, the the, the reasons that we choose to go. Honestly, Mike, it's not because you, there's <laughs> very complex algorithm behind and so on. This is, this is for you, no, for, 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 for the business sense, more let's say more fundamentals uh, aspects that make a company to be successful in the AI, in my view. And I have to compliment Alessandro because he was the first executive from a significant company in Brazil to give us that chance. So he he took a chance on us that we really appreciate very much. No, that, that's great. And I, I love those three points, uh, Alessandro, because. You know, and I've seen this over my career as, a, as an industry analyst, right? Something hot and new comes up and sometimes the the urge uh, or the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, we got to be doing something uh, with AI. And uh, sometimes companies rush into some kind of AI project, let's say in this case, or whatever, the, let's say it's RFID in the past or whatever the case might be, without first really trying to define what exactly are we trying to solve? What's the business problem we're trying to resolve or what's the business opportunity we're trying to go after and it sounds so simple but it's amazing how many companies don't really fully understand to your to your point you know what is the root cause or what is the root uh issue or opportunity that we're trying to resolve so i think 
that being the first step, I think is, uh, you know, critically important. And then the last point you brought up, um, you know, again, sounds simple, but I've seen so many times where, you know, a lot of projects are driven by, you know, upper management, let's say, and even IT without consideration for the frontline workers that are ultimately the ones that are going to be using these solutions or have to work in that environment. And that's where most, a lot of projects end up failing, as we talked about before, because of the change management, because uh, they, the people that are in the front lines are saying, this is making our job much more difficult. It's not as productive as we were, so on and so forth. And they ultimately either don't end up using the solution um, or they find workarounds. Like that's why Excel still continues to be a big, uh, you know, a lot of big use in the industry because they say, you know, we can't work with this system because it doesn't, it's much more complicated. It's not easy to use, so on and so forth. And they revert back to, you know, to their old ways. So I think those are all, you know, critically uh, important uh, points that you brought up. Um, so, Mike, I want to I want to go back to you. I mean, we we conducted a a survey earlier this year with our Indago supply chain research community, who are all supply chain logistics uh, executives from manufacturing, retail, and distribution companies. And almost a third of the respondents said that they either had a, a very low or low knowledge or understanding of AI and how it can you know be used in supply chain management. I, I guess the question is, you know, can you help demystify AI a little bit? I mean, I know we've done a little bit about that already, you know, in our conversation here. Um, but you know, demystify AI and how does it improve supply chain processes? Sure. So um, let me just present a couple of concepts for context here to start with. So there was a time when uh, uh, purchasing wasn't done with. Uh, time time in mind. People bought what they needed and they didn't really try to synchronize that. So we brought about MRP. And MRP was a huge advancement in the industry. And some people might argue that it was the most significant one still to this day. And uh, um, the problem though, it was and still is that any time phased material planning system uh, presumes that demand is predictable and suppliers are reliable. And we learned, we always learned that demand is hard to predict. And it, particularly during the pandemic, uh, supplier performance was very hard to rely on as well. And so it's uh, it's been a big problem. Now, a lot of the uh, solutions up until AI became possible were more based upon analytic solutions that focused on strategic decisions. Like with respect to material planning, could we put inventory in the right places to give us the level of flexibility we needed in light of the variability of demand we faced in the most e economical way? So that was a that was another big step forward, and that certainly was very very helpful. It still didn't solve the problem when things go really wrong, where where things are you know you can't build what you expected, and you're not selling what you expected, and now what's the best thing I can do? And it turns out. AI can help in two special ways in a supply chain. And, and we, we look at both. One is just to, as, as uh, Alessandra was talking, speak with the people we call knowledge workers about the process they have and help them understand how AI can solve areas of complexity in their current workflow. And I would say about 75% of the work we do relates to using AI to cure a pain point or to solve a business process design problem. 
And, and those things, as Alessandra suggested, are really appreciated by the knowledge workers and, and they're very willing to adopt those. So it's very important to engage with the team and help them learn about AI while you're learning about their business. And so you work together to identify what the priorities are, and then you start solving those priorities in the least intrusive way possible. And that's very important. Now, there's another uh, uh, trend occurring right now where we have much more powerful AI because of the technology behind chat GPT. And now we can manage lots more data. And so one of the unsolved problems has been, how do I optimize when I'm in trouble? And it's very difficult for humans to do that. And you know, you, people in your study understand how difficult it is. But for AI, that's a relatively trivial problem as long as we help uh, AI understand the constraints that the business must meet. And so I think what's going to happen in the next few years will be sort of two trends in supply chain AI solutions. One will be improving problems, particularly in the demand planning process and where it's very hard. When people um, make a forecast, it's at the highest level. When they get results from the marketplace, it's at a highly um, devolved level. So you get some information from each channel in each region and having that information then consolidated and evaluated by AI is a typical pain point that we find for demand planning. We call that demand sensing. And the, when people delay uh, recognizing that a demand trend has changed, that's when they get in trouble. Okay. Same thing can be done uh, on the supply side in a similar way. But then the, the last part now will be how do we use all of this data and do optimization of the outcome. And the newest technology allows us to do the optimization analysis about a hundred times faster than we could even a year ago. And so optimization in general is gonna be an area of great interest. And it is one that I think companies, as they realize the power of these new you know, models um, will, will really appreciate it. And in fact, my opinion is the existence of chat GPT helps all of the supply chain executives realize the power of, of AI for the supply chain. Because just like ChatGPT can look at the entire universe of, of information about your question, the same technology can be used to come up with an optimal uh, solution, no matter what your problem is, in a time frame that humans could not possibly uh, approach. Yeah, no, a lot of interesting you know, points. And I think it all boils down to, I still, I mean, I, I would think that the, the critical enabler or one of the key important pieces of all this, Mike, as we talked about before, is you still have to have a way to bring all of that data, you know, internal and external together to be right. able to do right. that type of, uh, you know, higher level optimization and, you know, be able to do predictions and recommendations and so forth. You know, if you don't have that ability to really in a, in a cost effective, streamlined, continuous process, be able to bring large volumes of data together, um, that's going to limit some of the things you talked about, is that right? Absolutely, we, we have a solution we call Felix that we've been investing in for five years in terms of automating all of those and making sure that we ingest data effectively, that we do auto-correction, that we manage it and stream it for the, the models in the most effective way. And that, that business process on its own is probably the key enabler for AI solutions going forward, particularly as the amount of data that we process becomes another order of magnitude bigger or several orders of magnitude bigger. Right. Well, as you've heard, and all of us have been in the industry for a while, you know, 
whether it's uh, with AI or whether it's older technologies or existing technologies, you know, the, the, the adage garbage in, garbage out still right. still applies. So I think the, the good thing is that now, we, you know, some of these technology capabilities and some of the AI pieces of it can help with the data quality, you know, problem, you know, as well. So I think that's a good, uh, uh, you know, I think there's a, I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on, on this whole area. So Alessandra, I want to go back to you um, and you kind of, you know, you kind of outlined before, Kind of some of the key things that were important to you, you know, in terms of of identifying uh, the the type of technology and the type of partner you want to work with. Can, can you share with us a little bit about how you implemented, you know, the solution? You know, what what be- and what benefits you've achieved to date? Yeah, we we started doing a, a pilot, you know, as 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 traditionally in this type of implement implementation is done. So we choose a, a specific state in Brazil. Where we have operations to to do this pilot, this pilot, it's very important. This was not a, let's say a minor state; it was a, a relevant state for for Delis, because also there is sometimes the risk that you do some uh, pilot in a not uh, important place. The pilot goes well because everyone wants that this goes well, and afterward you implement more relevant operations and it's fails. So we really choose an important state uh, for Delis. Uh, we have involved since the beginning the the category managers, the buyers, and also some of the salespeople. With a very very technical guy leading this this process, also with let's say the business mindset, we spend a lot a lot of time uh, in the data setting, choosing the the right data, to cleaning the the data. As you mentioned, if you don't have let's say the the, the, the correct data you you really will you lose a lot of time so we get the data from the last three years of his, of Delis uh, uh, all type of data external data customer data uh, selling data and so on so we spend relevant time on that and and with all this data clean and available we start to set up and to 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 build with a to goals the algorithms to uh, to treat this data and to 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 have as output uh, 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 information that is is use, uh, useful for for the people involved in the in this pricing uh, 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 operation. Uh, uh, I think uh, we uh, so we put in place we start to run. We correct a lot of uh, of uh, the outputs because also this is very important. No, we we prefer really to have everything well set up in this pilot before rollout. So a lot of corrections was was done, and when when we we get the green light from the the managers in sales and and procurement, say okay, I like that, and then you start to use. Uh, we start to do the the rollout for the the rest of the days. Uh, the outputs were were uh, for me for for me is very important to have really concrete outputs. And Mike knows me already that it, it's not uh, it's not about to implement a, a fancy AI system. It's really to get to get business. So eight percent of the price recommendation from the AI was adopted. Uh, to the uh, to the buyer, so eight percent of everything that the system is suggesting was adopted. It's very high, no, because what I we, we are telling to our our buyers that 
they used in the whole career to, to define what's the price. Now there is a AI system defined the new price. And when they adopt 8% of that, it is a trust, it's a trust uh, uh, output, no? If I could make a quick comment, Alessandro, and yes. it's actually a real important point of collaboration. So the way the interface works, when they don't accept a recommendation, they're allowed to actually to give some input on why they didn't accept it. And so it's a very complex topic when you have 25,000 SKUs. And so it was really as became their system because they shared insight that accelerated the learning of the solution and, and allowed you know, the solution to perform better and better based upon their expertise, not just the algorithms, you know, performance. Yeah, and we choose by design, it is acceptance or not, no? Because this is the, the quality test of the, 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 the A2Go system, no? And I say, okay, Mike, if, this, if the AI suggestion is good, it will be accepted. If not, the guy will reject it. And they start with this 8%. The other 30% was used to retrofit the, the algorithm. And it was improving and so on. Now we are already 95%. And there is this 5% that we, we keep that is still, let's say, the let's say the business sense that we need still to understand how to capture no, the experience of years and years and years inside the algorithm. So it's a, it's really like a collaboration no, between the the, the 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 experience of the 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 manager with the system supporting him uh, we we had improved 1.1 percent of point of our gross margin which which for a company of uh, 1 billion dollars of turnover is huge and we had to reinvest that to the business growth so putting putting back this this this, this gross margin improvement uh, to ex to expand to accelerate the the business growth, uh, and for me, let's say very important output, we moved from uh, uh, state price list to customer price list, and this impact of that is huge. So uh, we, as I mentioned before, we uh, before we had the price list geographically defined. Now we have buckets of customers that behavior based in data, in historical data, in the same way. It's not a, a bucket of typology as we used to do in the past. So in, in the past, a marketer say, okay, uh, the restaurants will behave in the same way, the bakeries will behave in the same way, and they are different. And what we change on that, you know, let, let's say what the data uh, shows, and we figure out that the data shows that sometimes uh, uh, a, a bakery will buy ketchup in the same way than a restaurant. So we put these customers by 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 data, and now we have pricing lists per bucket of customers and per SQ based on their data behavior. There are some customers that are more quick marking in the pricing of the chicken. And, and less aware or, or less worried about the pricing that they are paying for dressings, for instance. So the data showed us this, this true, no? And, and, and of course, there was a lot of debate with the marketers because it's, it's a change of, of, uh, of uh, 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 power in the, in the definition of uh, price, no? And, and now it's very, let's say, very, 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 
useful for all, all the team. And this was more important. Of course, when you open these, this box of Pandora, no? you, you, you open a lot of huge opportunities. So next, next, next project. So pricing recommendation for customer. We used to have price, uh, sorry, a portfolio recommendation for customer. Used to be portfolio recommendation for state of typology. So, uh, so now you have the space for let's say, for for portfolio recommendation for combos. So let let's sell uh, a bucket of products together. I think it's combos the, the name no in English bundles. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, price promotion. So all the let's say the the. The, the additional benefits that we can get from that. And for me, the output as well of that is this, this is a journey, you know? Uh, this is a journey. This is not a project that has a start and an end because you will be always learning. So if the machine learning, you will learn as well. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's a journey and and it's still there is a, a lot of benefits just in price, you know? Imagine when we start to talk about the other parts of supply chain, so planning, so uh, routing, and so on. We keep the focus in pricing because we still see a lot of benefits to be extracted, uh, and 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 when we have this type of results, it, it's easy, the easier way to convince someone to implement AI. You know, uh, I always thought to Mike, Mike. Let's deliver the concrete results here. That our job here to convince people to use AI, it's, it's much easier. Let's not try to you know to spend uh, three days of workshopping telling about the benefit of AI and why is that. And uh, I, I like I like easier stuff, Adrian. So delivering the results make the life of anyone to implement AI much easier. So this I think is a little bit the outputs. Yeah, so um, that's a great, uh, uh, a great uh, uh, insights there in terms of how you rolled this out and you know some of the benefits that that you've achieved. Um, I, I think you know the, the last point you brought up in terms of the um, the, the insights that um, the greater insights that you now have about pricing and the ability now to 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 be more creative in how you do prices and how you group customers together. And so on and so forth. That's opened up, you know, so much more opportunity now uh, to really dive in deeper into the business and, and really find opportunities that, again, as we talked about before, if you try doing this, you know, at a very high level, you just wouldn't see, you know, see that. If you try doing this with an Excel spreadsheet, you just wouldn't be able to, um, just because of the complexity, the amount of data involved, and so forth. Uh, it's beyond the human realm to really, you know, uh, uh, see these insights. But through the technology, through the AI, and through the results to date, uh, you're able to uncover. You know these these uh, you know additional uh, you know opportunities. Um, so we we covered a lot of ground. Um, maybe as a quick way to, to to wrap up, Alessandra, I'll start with you. And you already touched a little bit about uh, uh, on this in your last response there. Um, but uh, what advice would you give to companies that are just getting started on their journey to AI enablement? And and then what's next? Then Mike, same same for you afterwards. Okay, sure. Yeah, I think I think my device is uh, the. AI program must be sponsored by the, the top management, the top leadership team. If if the, the, the top leadership team doesn't uh, believe on that, or, or, or even if it is not the business priority of the moment of, of the company, 
uh, I recommend not to start to do AI because it's a fancy stuff because your neighborhood is doing as well all the company because this will be a, a, a loss of time you know and money as well so you must as a leader uh, believe on that you must make the assessment if the the right priority at this moment because and that everything is okay if it's not the right priority you no know? because sometimes we are with a huge cash problem in your company so go to fix first the cash and 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 and, and make sure that you are implementing the right time uh, and this is a priority for you as a leader and make this clear for all the team and 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 do it so it's very very simple device but uh, i think we spend a lot of uh, we will uh, save a lot of time and and money uh, if you start from the leadership point of view the implementation yeah but great great point mike your uh, final thoughts on uh, advice for sure. others so having seen a lot of projects at this point, I, it's real clear to me. One is invest in data orchestration, as we already discussed. The second is you don't need to do process reengineering when you deploy AI. And in my opinion, you shouldn't. And then the last part is just choose a partner you, that you want to collaborate with. And it, you know that's more of an interpersonal choice almost, but find somebody who you think your team can work well with so that you can learn together. Great, great, great advice. I think, uh, you know, Alessandro kind of alluded to that, uh, you know, in terms of when I asked him about why, why A to go, because uh, I think uh, you, you were interested in understanding the business problem and then also the uh, uh, taking in the input from the you know, frontline workers and those involved in terms of making the, uh, the, the ultimate solution one that will make their job uh, easier as well. Well, uh, Alessandro and Mike, uh, you know, thank you both for, you know, making the time uh, to, to share your success story. Um, I think it's a, it's a, this is an area that I get, again, a lot of companies are, are interested in. Uh, I think we're just in the early days, as I mentioned before, scratching the surface of, of what AI can do in, in various aspects of, of supply chain management. And, and, and I think your success story with, with, uh, pricing optimization there at Delis is a good, uh, uh, you know, there's some good uh, takeaways, you know, from it. So again, Alessandro, Mike, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the analytics to go website or on talking logistics, and you've got a question for Alessandro or Mike, uh, feel free to post it there. And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us. I look forward to seeing you in a future episode of talking logistics. Have a great day.